Welcome to the Twisted Mirror. As I may have mentioned before, the original Twilight Zone influenced me greatly as a writer and storyteller. There are a few episodes that take place on an airplane, and it makes sense. Airplanes are a wonder. We become so accustomed to them that we often scoff at the thought of boarding one. Associations with short fuse, irate passengers, confined spaces, unpleasant smells, and long lines have soured the experience. But if you've ever traveled on a plane, you are one of the very few human beings in the history of humankind who have been able to experience the miracle of long-distance flight, of being able to leave the Earth and float thousands of miles above it. It's a bizarre little world we humans have carved out for ourselves in the sky. It makes the perfect setting for a Twisted Mirror story, and I am so excited to share Twisted Mirror's first external submission from Shelby Scott of Scare You to Sleep. I'm not sure if Shelby hadn't featured a couple of my stories that I would have even started my own podcast. Shelby gives so many writers' stories the treatment So I reached out to her and asked if I could do the same for her. It was a tough call which story to choose, but I settled on nuclear flight. The gentle mixture of horror and humanity is just what I would expect to be staring back at me from the other side of the mirror. Or maybe I'm being optimistic to assume that we'd have to look outside of our own world to encounter such a thing. Now, grab your bags, Charge your AirPods, and please have your boarding passes ready for nuclear flight. You are now staring into the twisted mirror. Have you ever left planet Earth? Your first instinct might be to say no. But if you've ever flown in a plane, you might want to rethink your answer. I suppose it's a matter of opinion whether still being within the Earth's atmosphere counts. No, you aren't on a rocket ship in outer space. But you are floating thousands of miles away from most of mankind. Boxed in with a bunch of strangers. Mankind's recent understanding of physics allowing you to fly miles above the Earth that grounds us. It's a tiny world you share with a collection of random people. Only for a few hours. Mostly detached from the goings-on beneath you. It's a brief journey. Eventually you return. Touch your feet to the ground. And resume life just as it was when you took off. But what if something happened while you were up in the air? What if, while you floated blissfully unaware in the clouds, your planet and the people on it, your figurative and literal world, were irrevocably changed? What if after you left, nothing would ever be the same again?
Most of the cabin was asleep at the tail end of the long flight from Singapore to Los Angeles. The lights were still lowered as they had a few hours left until they reached their destination. The gentle sound of businessmen wired on bad airplane coffee, tapping away at the keyboards of their laptops, joined by the occasional snoring of a sunburned tourist, rang throughout the cabin. A low murmur came from a mother reading a story to a child. Altogether, it had been an uneventful flight. No panic attacks, no vomit. Even the smell of 236 passengers wasn't so bad. Inside the cockpit, the pilot and co-pilot operated the plane quietly. You got this, Kath? Uh, I'm going to hit the head, says Dan, the co-pilot, as he takes off his headset. Don't fall in, joked the head pilot, Kathy. As Dan entered the small restroom, a tired-looking flight attendant walks into the cockpit. Hey, Mama, how you holding up? He says to Kathy, a tinge of sympathy in his voice. I'm good, hun. Kathy sighs. By the time we get back, Ted will have moved all his shit out. I hope the mistress appreciates his international beer can collection. Don't worry, honey. You can do much better than his tacky ass. Bad Tam Betty can have him. Kathy laughs. Tears form in her eyes despite herself, and she quickly blinks them away. Easy for you to say. How's it feel to know you'll legally be off the market in a few days? It's Sherrod's turn to sigh. I feel like if my florist hasn't come through with those orchids, then I'm going to set her whole shop on fire. Aw, I've never seen you so nervous before. The flowers are going to be beautiful. Just remember to enjoy yourself. My wedding went by so fast it was all a blur. Not that it matters now. There was an uncomfortable silence. Way to make it weird, Kathy, she thought to herself. Gerard looked around, feeling incredibly awkward. Finally, he said, Well, I better go check on Vicky. She gets frantic when I leave her alone for too long. He gave her one last pat on the shoulder and re-entered the cockpit. Dan still hadn't come out of the bathroom. Either doing coke or backed up from all the coke he's been doing. Gerard narrowed his eyes at the bathroom door. He thought about ways he could get the company to randomly drug test him. Dan was a homophobic and sexist piece of shit. Kathy was too distracted by her messy divorce to notice any of it. Although, she also probably had just grown used to the sexist jabs from male co-workers over the years. But she never seemed to notice the extra energy Dan had every time he exited the bathroom or how handsy he got with the female flight attendants. Vicky really did get frantic if left alone for longer than a few minutes. She was relatively new. She looked like she'd be more at home as a showgirl in Vegas. Her big blue eyes always looked confused. Her overprocessed blonde hair was always done up in a white trashy type updo. And she somehow got away with wearing this sparkly hot pink lip gloss that was definitely against uniform regulations. He walked into business class to see her trying to calm down a red-faced man in a suit. Do you know how much fucking money I paid for this goddamn seat? It's supposed to include Wi-Fi. Not that you would know anything about this. 
but I have very important paperwork to send before 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. His raised voice was starting to cause the sleeping passengers to stir. I'm sorry, sir. We just aren't getting a signal at all. She looked as if she was about to cry. Gerard shook his head and interjected. Hello there. What seems to be the problem? Gerard smiled a well-practiced professional smile and looked down at the red-faced man. I was just telling this stewardess that my Wi-Fi quit working. I have been telling her for half an hour, and she still hasn't bothered to fix it. Well, sir, uh, this flight attendant said she checked and we aren't getting a signal. That happened sometimes due to the bad weather or a pudgy pink hand was put up in front of Gerard's face. I don't want to hear excuses. I want my money back. I was guaranteed Wi-Fi, and I need to get these papers out. Gerard put his hand up now. Before 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I know, sir. I think the entire plane knows. When you click that little I agree box when ordering your ticket, you agree to the fact that the Wi-Fi is not actually guaranteed, and due to maintenance or weather could be offline at any time during the flight. Now, if you could kindly keep your voice down, your fellow passengers are trying to sleep. Just as the businessman was about to blow a gasket, the plane hit a huge wave of turbulence, enough to knock Vicky over. Gerard grabbed her just as she was about to hit her head on the armrest of the nearest seat. The fastened seatbelt sign came on immediately. Overhead, Kathy made an announcement. Hey folks, it uh, looks like we're heading into a bad storm. No need to worry, just uh, return to your seats and we'll be out of it quickly. Thank you. The plane shook again, even harder this time. I uh, know this is an odd request, folks, but the flight attendants will be coming around to make sure all window shades are pulled down. As per Storm Regulation 28C, so if you could uh, help them out and pull your shades down, then just relax and get some shut-eye. We will be reaching our destination soon. Gerard furrowed his brow. Vicky whispered, What is Storm Regulation 28C? That, that wasn't on the written test. Make sure all shades get closed and then go put on your safety harness. It just means the storm is going to get pretty bad and they don't want people to be startled by the sight of lightning hitting the plane. Vicky nodded silently and practically ran. He made a note to remind her that it was incredibly unprofessional to appear panicked in front of the passengers as he walked toward the cockpit. Dan was absent again, either still in the bathroom or having already returned to it. Kathy was staring straight ahead, sitting eerily still. Kath, I just came to see what was... He touched her shoulder as always, but was stopped mid-sentence when... Kathy spun to look at him. Her frizzy red hair was plastered to her freckled cheeks with sweat. Drod, you... You scared me. Her eyes not quite focusing on his face. Kathy, what the fuck is going on? You and I know damn well there is no such thing as Storm Regulation 28C. Why are you waking all these people up to close their shades? She chewed her lip in an attempt to stop it from quivering. Tears welled up in her eyes. She began to shake all over. 
Finally, she breathed out. It's over. What's over? Kathy, what's over? Whatever it is, we can fix this. Let's just get Dan back in here and maybe you can lay down for a minute. Gerard's mind had immediately gone to the idea of Kathy's bitter divorce. Please do not crash this whole plane full of people just because your marriage is over. Dan isn't coming back. It's all over, Gerard. You said that already, Catherine. What the fuck is over? Why isn't Dan coming back? Gerard was getting angry now. He always got angry when he was scared. We received a major alert. D.C. and New York are gone. Gone? Destroyed? By nuclear bombs? Like in some movie? The alert didn't stop there. There were more incoming. Reports are that the entire country is about to be hit. That can't be true. Look, Gerard. Kathy pointed out the front window. Gerard hadn't been paying attention to anything but Kathy, and had assumed the flashes of light that were coming in were lightning from the storm. He saw explosions happening everywhere across the ground. From so far up, they looked like fireflies. Then pale puffs of smoke drifted up towards the sky. It's a miracle we're still even in the air, that we haven't been hit. What about Los Angeles? Can we still land? Can we land anywhere? We aren't over the prairies anymore, even if we were. Look at that. They're, they're not just targeting cities. It's everywhere. But what did they say? What did Control say? After the initial alerts, everything went dead. I can't get anyone on the ground or in the air. No one. Not a soul. We may be the only ones left. It was Gerard's turn to start swearing. He felt sick. He thought of Paul, his fiancée, and his mother, all his siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins. Were they gone? They couldn't just be gone. The bright flashes of light were almost steady now. There were so many. We don't have enough fuel to make it to Hawaii, even if we did. I don't want to risk flying over the U.S. any longer than we have to. I think we can turn towards Canada and just go as far as we can before we need to land. Just then... They heard a loud bang and something heavy hit the door of the cockpit bathroom. Kathy and Gerard locked eyes, blood draining out of both of their faces. Dan. Kathy barely got out. Was that? Gerard could barely breathe. Was that a gunshot? Kathy nodded her head slowly, unable to control the quivering of her lip now. She started to sob. Gerard finally took a deep breath and composed himself. Turn to Canada. If that's our only hope, then do it. Maybe we can pick up some Mountie signal or something. I'm going to go check on the passengers. 
Gerard entered first class in a daze and was immediately met by a mob. They were all speaking at once, asking if they had heard a gunshot. Why they had to pull down their shades. These were seasoned flyers and they had never heard of a regulation requiring shutting the blinds. It became a blur of angry and frightened voices, like bees buzzing around a hive. He looked to his left to see an old woman pulling up her shade. In the deep blackness of the window, he suddenly saw a pinprick of light, and the entire plane shook once again. The anxiety made his stomach lurch. His mother once said everyone holds their nerves in different places. Some people get headaches. Some people grind their teeth. Some bite their fingernails. He got stomach aches. She said that as she wiped the dried vomit off his little face and helped him out of his soiled shirt after he saw a scary movie at a sleepover when he was eight. She had smiled warmly at him and told him it was okay. That everyone got scared every once in a while and that she would always be there to help make him brave again. As the memory passed, he looked up to see the faces of the passengers, shocked, some disgusted and holding their hands over their mouths and noses. He looked down to see he had thrown up, all down the front of his uniform. He suddenly made a beeline to the back of the plane to find Vicky. He had to tell her what was happening. She deserved to know. They all deserved to know, but the thought of an entire plane of panicked people was too much to risk. Vicky was also surrounded by a mob of passengers. She was crying and telling them that it was just the weather. It's not just the fucking weather. Have you looked outside? Tell us what the fuck is going on. A man wearing a Hawaiian shirt screamed. She caught sight of Gerard. Gerard! Gerard, please tell these people what's going on. I keep telling them it's just the weather, but they keep yelling at me about the lights outside. I told them it's just lightning. We aren't fucking stupid. I know what lightning looks like. That isn't lightning, the same man exclaimed. The rest of the passengers nodded along. Apparently, they had taken an unspoken vote, and he was elected as their leader. Gerard looked the man in the face. He wasn't being rude. He was scared, and rightfully so. The woman who had been reading to her small child now held him in her lap. She quietly sang to him while looking up at Gerard with frightened and questioning eyes. Gerard then stripped off the vomit-soaked button-up and stood there in his undershirt. Something felt very ceremonial about undoing each button while a group of passengers stood silently watching him. He draped the shirt, along with his name tag, across one of the seats. He was now one of them, not some corporate drone just trying to get through the day and keep his job by pacifying grown adults with lies about the weather. There is no storm, he began. You're goddamn right there's no fucking storm. The leader had started back in. Man, I'm trying to tell you what's going on. Please just shut your ass up for one second. There was a collective gasp among the passengers. The leader began to stutter out of retort, but then 
fell silent and nodded for Gerard to continue. There is no storm. The U.S. is being attacked with nuclear weapons. Oh my God. Before they could all shout over him, he raised his voice. We don't know by who and we don't know why. I can think of a few reasons and I'm sure you all can too, but I don't have any answers. All I know is that we have lost communication with anyone on the ground or in the sky. Our pilot has turned our path towards Canada. So it's safe in Canada? A young woman from the back asked. Frightened eyes turned hopeful for a whisper of a moment. I don't know, we don't know. We just know that Los Angeles is probably either too dangerous to attempt to land in, if it's even still there. There were a few screams. Some people immediately began sobbing. Some pulled out cell phones attempting to call loved ones who no longer existed. Some of them ran to first class. Vicky kept crying. Gerard just stood there, watching as one man attempted to open the emergency door. Before he could even think to react, other passengers had restrained the man, knocking him unconscious. Some passengers simply returned to their seats and stared, or held on to one another. A group of people had formed a prayer circle. They all seemed to be of different faiths. Hey, maybe if they all prayed to different gods, one of them would actually answer and guide them out of this nightmare. He felt a tug on his undershirt and looked down. The woman with the young child looked up at him. Excuse me, I know this doesn't seem like the time, but does your cart have any applesauce? It's for my little boy. It wasn't the time but it was a simple request that he could definitely make happen. So Gerard smiled and said, Yes, ma'am. We do have applesauce. Let me go grab you one. When he brought it back, he saw she had produced an amber-colored prescription bottle. A few pills were scattered on the tray table, and she was crushing them up with the bottom of a metal water bottle. She looked up to see him staring, He reluctantly handed her the container of applesauce. She tore off the foil lid and used her hand to wipe some of the white powder into the snack. I want him to either wake up in Canada or, in the very least, to not have to see what happens if we don't make it, she explained. He's autistic and all this craziness is just making him so anxious. Gerard then noticed the little boy had his hands over his ears and his eyes tightly closed shut. When he gets anxious, his stomach starts to hurt, so I don't even know if he'll eat it. She stirred in the powder and began to spoon-feed it to her son, but he spat it out. I know it's a little bitter pumpkin. Please eat it, though. She looked up at Gerard, who was still staring. I'm not a monster. It's just the best thing I can do right now. Gerard shook his head. Let me go get you some sugar packets. 
It should help cut the bitterness some more, and little man will get some great shut-eye. Thank you. She was trying so hard not to cry. He brought back a whole handful of sugar packets and left her with a smile. Those small moments had actually given him some hope. Hope for humanity. Hope they were going to make it out. Gerada, please come to the cockpit. Kathy's voice rang out over the speakers. Anyone who was still screaming or sobbing stopped. A prayer circle halted their prayers and looked up. As he walked down the aisle, instead of mobs, people parted for him. They were too anxious to know what information the pilot was about to relay to him to hound him with questions they now knew he didn't know the answers to. He paused a moment as he passed the cockpit bathroom that now served as Dan's coffin. He noticed now that blood had been seeping from under the door. His stomach did another flip-flop, but the contents of it stayed inside this time. He looked to the back of Kathy's head, her eyes plastered to the giant windshield in front of her. Hi, Kath. What a stupid thing to say, he thought. But it was easier then. Hey, are we going to die or no? I won't stop. I'm going to keep going, she said. That's good. He put a comforting hand on her shoulder. But what does that mean exactly? No matter what happens, we will just keep going. It's all we can do. Okay, but are we headed to Canada now? Yes. So... The lights. I can see lights out there. Are they... Before she could answer, he looked out into the distance. There they were. The pinpricks of light. As they appeared, turbulence rocked the plane. He heard screams from behind him. Can't we just land somewhere... Anywhere, a field, a freeway, something? He yelled as he tried to hold on to anything in the cockpit to keep himself upright. We're all probably already suffering from radiation poisoning. Even being this high above. Those cities below will be suffering from nuclear fallout even if they're miles away from a blast. I've been watching the winds carry the smoke across the entire countryside. We have to find somewhere far enough away from one of these things, which will probably be somewhere in the Canadian wilderness, which will be its own set of issues, but it's hope. What if we don't find anywhere like that? Gerard asked reluctantly. I'll make sure we hit hard and fast. Her eyes never once moved from the sky. Instead of returning to the passengers, he sat in Dan's co-pilot chair and strapped himself in. He looked at Kathy, and then she looked at him. Then let's keep going.